Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. My name is Jerry Miller. It's good to be with you on a Friday before um, Halloween. The Halloween festivities begin for um, my family this evening with a trunk or treat extravaganza. Big fan of the trunk or treat concept where youngsters go from the back of vehicles, tailgates, and go trick-or-treating in parking lots. It starts today, and we have either three or four trick-or-treating um, experiences for our oldest. He's five and a half. Our youngest is 11 months old. I'm sure our youngest will have some kind of darling uh, or cute costume. Our oldest is going as um, a Power Ranger. Uh, actually, is that right? Is, is Bumblebee... What's the Bumblebee from? Is that Transformer? That's a Transformer, right? Yeah, that's Transformer. I'll take that back. He's not going. Thank you. I should have asked you first, Judah. Evidently, <laughs> you know better than I do. Uh, he's going as Bumblebee the Transformer. All right. Um, he's very pumped to wear his Halloween costume. And, you know, I want to take a moment to kind of reflect. And then Holly Foster, we're going to talk about the gift that she gave Judah and I that we have yet to open. Judah is uncertain what's in here. We have it on set. It's a big bag. Oh, my gosh. And it's heavy. Yeah. Like, it's heavy. A gift from the Queen of Henrico, Holly Foster, with a card in it. We'll get to it in a matter of moments. Um, seeing life through the eyes and the uh, emotions of a five-and-a-half-year-old is one of the best things ever. I mean, no question it can be challenging as if you're a parent, you know, especially when they're that age, four, five, six, eight. I mean, I would imagine it's throughout the preteen and into teenage years, the emotions shift and can shift on a dime. But for the most part, our oldest just has this really contagious zest for life. He likes doing things. He likes trying new things, experiencing new things. Um... And I find it contagious. He has been so pumped to put on this Bumblebee Transformer costume. He tried to put it on this morning in the 7 o'clock era. And he's walked into our room with it at night when he should be sleeping. He routinely surprises us. And our, our bedroom is on the first floor. Our boys, their bedrooms are on the second floor. And he routinely will come down the stairs when he's supposed to be sleeping in an astronaut's outfit or a Superman cape and a Superman mask or he'll have like a lab coat on or his Halloween costume and he'll just walk in and say, surprise, and try to jump on the bed and do these cute routines to try to extend bedtime. I wanted to take a moment to, I don't know, reflect on kind of the positives of parenthood. I think parenthood and being a parent, and my wife is carrying the load as a stay-at-home mom, can be maybe the most challenging job out there. Stay-at-home moms are, are not paid. Their days, stay-at-home parents, I should say, stay-at-home parents, they're not paid. Their days often start in the 5 o'clock hour and often end in the 7 or 8 o'clock hour. And their customers or their bosses or their coworkers are children. 
and the emotions that run wild uh, with youngsters, um, especially a five and a half year old. So to take a moment and highlight the zest of Halloween and what Halloween means to a kid, what holidays mean to a five and a half year old is special. As we get older, um, I think we lose, it either is whittled down out of us or it erodes out of us or we're so preoccupied or disconnected with work and the stresses of life, we don't stop and as Ferris Bueller says, smell the roses. And children remind us to do that. He has been so excited for Halloween as if it was Christmas time or as if the Easter bunny was coming, as if Santa Claus was coming down the chimney or fireworks were going to dot and light the skyline in the uh, evening and, and the Blue Ridge Mountains. Take a moment when you're trick-or-treating this weekend and watch the joy your children experience on a holiday that we may see as, I don't want to say trivial, uh, but maybe makeshift, and then realize that makeshift may pertain to our disconnect to what's going on in the world because of what's going on in our lives tied to work or stresses and step back and say, wow, look at what my kids are doing and how much it means to them. I saw it again this morning and it was a uh, fresh perspective, enlightening perspective. Um, Judah Wickhauer, we should weave you in on a two shot. Um, in fact, we may need to use the studio camera. I'm not even sure I can lift this with one hand while sitting down. Holly Foster is one of our favorite viewers and listeners. She is in town um, currently. She stays at the Borsad. She pampers herself at Keswick. No, I no. believe she's watching from Keswick right now after a massage, she said. Uh-huh. And I met her yesterday afternoon after she sent us a DM, direct message. And she said, I have a, pro- uh, a present for you and Judah. <laughs> she indicated to us that she's learned so much about the Charlottesville and Central Virginia area mm-hmm. and beyond from the I Love Seville show. She watches in real time, and when she can't watch in real time, she watches the replays online. She always has something poignant to say or to offer. She's previously of the banking business. She was a banker, worked in finance. Very intelligent, very sophisticated woman, very well-traveled woman, now retired. She has a, a taste for luxury. And she said, I've learned so much from Charlottesville and, and, and other aspects of business and politics. She said she's following the Meg Bryce, Allison Spillman race closely. She had some thoughts yesterday to say about the uh, Richmond Times dispatch columnist, Mr. Williams, hmm. who wrote a scathing co- co- uh, column about Dr. Bryce and, and what she had to say at an NAACP hmm. forum at Systematic Racism. Um, those comments have really penetrated the legacy media cycle. Um, she said, thank you. Thank you to us. She said, thank you to you. She said, our personalities complement each other well on this show. Um, and she looks forward to watching us inform and educate and have a good time. Occasionally clash. She says, you see different aspects of life and society 
and the world by watching the program and watching you two interact. So I met her, and I'll go, if you want to go to the studio camera, and then we can go back to a two-shot to you and I. I met her yesterday, and she had this gift bag, which, Judah, this is, it's a very nice gift bag. I want to start there. And any gift bag that is branded, it's branded by Black Tie Beach. The tagline is Luxury Home Decor and Gifts. Black Tie Beach. Luxury home, luxury home decor and gifts. And inside the gift bag is a thank you note or a note addressed with perfect penmanship. Perfect penmanship. Yeah, make sure you get us in the frame. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Thank you. Perfect penmanship to Jerry and Judah. Your name's spelled correctly. One thing I've noticed in 13 years of working alongside Judah is... People rarely get Judah spelled correctly. No doubt. Is that fair? Oh. When, I've seen like 10 different versions of this. Before, before email. Um, and you go to two shot and flip back to a one yeah. so people can see you. Yeah. Before email, when, uh, when everybody got uh, tons of you know, spam mail in your, in your mailbox, we used to keep a tally of all the crazy, crazy names that we got on, uh, on junk mail. Because and even and even some some stuff that wasn't junk mail that you know you'd think people should probably know better if they we actually have our name on a file somewhere, but uh, no, I think my favorite was Willie Lauer. <laughs> I've Willie, seen J. I've seen J O O D U H. Oh man, I don't think I've ever seen. I saw that, that a couple bad. days ago. Couple That's days really ago. bad. Um, let them know what you who you're named after. Uh, I don't know about who, but it's, uh, well, uh, I suppose Judah was, there's Judah the Maccabee. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Judah is also one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Right. So is Benjamin. So is Benjamin, his middle name. Yeah. Um, so I want to, another thing I want to highlight here is cursive. Look at the penmanship here on this, on this letter. I'll try to get it close so the viewers and listeners can see it. Exactly uh, there. Let's see. Um, they may not be able to see the. Uh, it's just a try, try turning it. Uh, oh, a little bit the other way. Uh, it gets hit by the sunlight. Okay. Well, I guess what I'm what I'm saying blank. is, have you guys noticed that cursive is a thing of the past? Yeah. When I don't know, I'm I'm aging myself. Judah's aging himself here. When we grew up, when we were. Um, reared and taught in schools, penmanship and cursive writing were focused upon by teachers. I went to a Catholic school. The Sisters of Mercy were occasionally mercy-less, but the Sisters of Mercy were the head honchos of the school, nuns from Philadelphia. I grew up in Williamsburg. It was a Catholic school in Williamsburg, Um, but the nuns were from Philly. And cursive was a big part of the educational experience. Penmanship was a big part of the educational experience. That's something that is not focused on now. We're so concerned with uh, STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, uh, throwing computer coding there, screen time, text messaging, iPads, laptops that penmanship is an art that's being lost. Yeah, no doubt. I was, never, pen- I was never very good at it anyways. I mean, so you I see this though, yeah. right? Is that not perfect? 
I that mean, is you very nice. At, yeah, you can kind of see it. Uh, I think they can kind of see it now. If you keep it at that angle and move it a little bit to your uh, left. No, no, no. Keep, the, keep the angle the same, but move the, yeah. Uh, I think they can see that, yeah. That's okay. Oh, so I'm going to open this gift, and then we'll get to the story today. This, what we wanted to discuss is the dichotomy, the disconnect, the dynamic. There's alliteration for you. You know I love alliteration. The di- dichotomy, the dynamic, the disconnect between freedom of speech. And hate speech. And hate speech and inflammatory rhetoric. We've seen it in Charlottesville City Council chambers where freedom of speech has now yielded the short-term, we hope, ban of Zoom commentary during the public portion of council meetings. Yeah. We are now seeing it in, at UVA in grounds mm-hmm. with UVA students, some that are pro-Israel, some pro-Palestine, some that are genuinely protesting against Israel, some that are genuinely protesting against Hamas. Hamas. Um, and it's made the national news. It's included professors. We're seeing the freedom of speech piece as it pertains to the Robert E. Lee statue that was melted down yesterday. So we'll talk about that. First, I want to get to Holly Foster and her gift. Holly, was fantastic seeing you yesterday and catching up. Here's the card. The card, a gorgeous farmhouse, Judah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually go to the studio camera one more time, if you could, please, sir. I hope you have it framed so I'm completely in it because I want to open the gift. Um, and I'm going to read the card first. Oh, my gosh. The penmanship is truly perfect on this. Hi, Jerry and Judah. I'm so excited that I was able to find a good supply of red vines for you to enjoy. My best friend in California got them for me. I kept a container for me. And I may not live in Seaville, but I enjoy keeping up with an area and I love an area I love to visit and your shows are an educational, so educational and fun. Happy Halloween from Holly Foster. She's given us this fantastic gift bag from a California boutique. The gift bag has wrapping in it that is also branded the Black Tide Beach and Luxury Homes. And I've spoiled what was inside by reading the card, but they are tubs of red vines. In fact, they are... Oh, my goodness. There are two of them, Judah. This is the first Judah is seeing of it right here. One here, and... That is enormous. That is enormous. It is enormous. And there's a second one. (laughs) And there's a second one. And Judah, you should explain... I mean, two tubs of red vines. I'm going to see if I can pick them up and show them to the viewers and listeners. I mean, Holly, your generosity has, is, is, is fantastic. We're so very grateful for this gift for you. I sincerely, sincerely mean that. That's Thank you amazing. kindly. Why don't we go to a two-shot J-dubs? You know how we got to the red vines from Holly <laughs> and Henrika? Uh, I've forgotten already. You mentioned on the show... We were talking about Twizzlers, and you mentioned on the show, you did, yeah. how you liked Red Vines better than Twizzlers. I don't think I said that. You did? No. I, I, no, I didn't say that. I definitely, that's definitely not how we got on the subject of Twizzlers. How do you, what do you remember? I mean, I don't remember how we okay, got... Okay, that's how, what I remember. 
but I don't. I I personally don't have a uh, a preference between red. I don't. I don't have that much invested in red vines. Well, or I, Twizzlers. I I really hope you say you love red vines dearly, considering we just got red vines shipped to us from California. I I love on them the both. dime of one of our viewers and listeners. I love them both. Well, I personally am a fan of the red vines over the Twizzlers. I didn't even realize there was a difference. Well, I mean, they're called different things. Yeah. Can you hold the show? I'm going to get some scissors so I can open this. I would love a red vine right <laughs> Okay. Jerry's getting scissors for red vines. This is amazing, Holly. Thank you so much. Uh, these are allowed inside the theaters, right? They'll let, us, they'll let me bring one of these tubs in? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think they'll let you bring one of the tubs in. But, I, I mean, one of the secrets I think we all know by now is you could sneak pretty much anything into the theater candy-wise. And it's much more affordable than what they have at uh, the candy sh- at the concession oh, yeah. stand. I definitely have snuck. Uh, I've definitely snuck. Um, oh, what are they called? Um, now I can't remember the name. Um, Chocolate covered peanuts. Milk duds. Chocolate covered peanuts. Snow caps. Who doesn't love a good snow cap? Goobers. Goobers. We we've talked about I goobers, love goobers before. Goobers are the love best. Goobers? But they don't, they don't sell them anymore, not, at least not at, the, uh, not at the movie theaters. So uh, when catch I... Catch some red vines, ready? When I think about it... Oh, good catch. Man. I thought you were trying, <laughs> you were trying to make delicious. them end up on the floor. Um, oh, yeah. I'm great at sneaking stuff into movie theaters. They're so fresh, Holly. All yeah. right. Uh, David Bourne says, what is a red vine? And he's watching from Charlottesville. Bill McChesney, Kevin Yancey, hello, welcome That's to the show. That's a red vine. Red vine is a fresher, better tasting Twizzler. These are as fresh as they get. Well. As fresh as they get. I love anything from California. Because I'm California made as well. You like the um, politics of California? Uh, you like the taxes so of California? I don't know. I've never had to pay the taxes of California. You like the California. inflationary pressures of California? <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. The cost of fuel right? in California. <laughs> the loose rules surrounding uh, immigration and houseless folks in California. I mean, you can't do everything right. A lot of people are sprinting from California right now. Sure. Anyway. We wanted to talk about something that we thought was very applicable to Charlottesville right now. We have seen the unfortunate, dynamic, dichotomy, and crossroads of freedom of speech meeting hate speech meeting inflammatory rhetoric. There's various levels of speech, and Charlottesville City Council recently had to disallow commentary via Zoom at council meetings because people were Zooming into uh, council meetings and using the N-word, giving terrible and abhorrent recognition to Hitler and muttering nasty Nazi rhetoric. Uh, Mr. Stolzenberg, the planning commissioner, said that one of the reasons he put his home in an anonymous LLC is because he felt unsafe in this community as a Jewish man. 
And that is why we removed, hit, re, we did not include, initially we included, and when we took it out, the address of his purchase. We're seeing that rhetoric, that freedom speech, um, head into inflammatory rhetoric and head from inflammatory rhetoric into hate speech on grounds at the University of Virginia. University of Virginia students are protesting and now they're, <coughs> excuse me, um, beefing. Well, you, you put it in perspective. Well, we have obviously the two sides of the, of the conflict. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, the two sides of the conflict uh, illustrated in the in the <clears throat> the students of uh, of UVA some some believing some being pro Israel and some being pro Palestine, and I don't think that either side is necessarily wrong. And it's not just UVA. This is happening on grounds and yeah. campuses all over the country. It's right. certainly big in the Ivy Leagues right now. Harvard yeah. University and the University of Pennsylvania are really struggling with this. I apologize for interrupting. No problem. I, as I was saying, I don't, I don't really think either side is wrong. I, I'm not going to defend Israel because I don't know what the, Israel, the Israeli government has, the Israeli government and military have done to, uh, to the people of Palestine. Um, but I'm sure that I'm sure that bad things have been done on both sides. It's not. I don't think it's a it's a conflict or a discussion that's ever going to come to a um, come to an understanding of sides. Sadly, I think the uh, excuse me. Keep going. A lot of the Palestinian people genuinely want the death of the Israeli state and the Israeli people. And so I don't know that there's ever going to be a time or a place where the two sides can coexist peacefully. And the fact of the matter is that Israel is a tiny, tiny, tiny plot of land in a massive size of the Middle East. And uh, I think it's just, I think it's a shame that, uh, that, the Palestinian people, I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's a shame that the conflict continues today. And um, what happened that led to the, – the things that led to what's going on on campuses today is just as tragic as, as the history of Gaza Strip. And the fact that people are – the fact that people would say that um, Hamas and the Palestinians are justified at, at any of doing anything at any cost is, I think, uh, I think, sad. Um, they're essentially advocating for the murder of innocent people. I mean, we have war crimes happening on both sides here. Yeah, war crimes on both sides here. The uh the head of Ireland highlighted this, that these are war crimes on both sides. Um, everyone is terrified of potentially World War III. 
I think it's a fragile time for for the world with what is already continuing in Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. Now Palestine, Hamas, and Israel. China scares the bejeebus out of me. Don't wake the don't wake the Chinese giant. China scares the absolute bejeebus out of me. All this is coinciding with a presidential race, presidential election in America, that as of right now, the odds are most likely it's going to be a Trump-Biden rematch. I think that should terrify all of us. That could change Trump and Biden in the White House, a race next year. But if you were a betting person, I'm a betting person, undoubtedly, but if you, know, if you were reading the tea leaves correctly, currently on October 27th, 2023... Trump and Biden are your GOP candidate, and Biden, your Democrat candidate. So I want to outline what's going on geopolitically in the world, and then I want to localize it to Charlottesville. This Ukrainian-Russian war has gone on way longer than anyone ever anticipated. Certainly Russia. No doubt. The Ukraines are fighting for their freedom, they're fighting for their lives, they're fighting for their country. They have so much to lose. And what they have to lose is causing them to extend a war by showing passion and heart and courage and a commitment to winning that Russia underestimated clearly. This conflict has now been exasperated by Hamas attacking Israel at a festival leading to 12 or 1300 people murdered at a festival that had a motivation or a mission of peace and love. A music festival literally marketed and promoted as one of peace and love. 12 or 1300 Israelis murdered. Israel obviously had to respond to what happened and how Israel has responded is aggressively, to say the least. Some would say they, some would say they did what they had to do, and some would also say that they, uh, they gave warning. They asked the people to evacuate. So um, that they immediately could, evacuate. So that they could go in and get the, the perpetrators of the, of the terrorist attack. Hamas is utilizing average Joe and average Sally citizens as cover for warfare. Yeah. Hospitals are being bombed. Electricity and power sources being cut off at hospitals. I was listening to one um, commentator on CNBC a couple of days ago call hospitals in Palestine living morgues, mm. active morgues. Because the folks in these hospitals were literally dying because the power, the electricity sources were being cut off. Sad. This has now manifested in Charlottesville. And we're seeing the University of Virginia, and we'll cut to the chase, the University of Virginia, and I want to get to your comments too, viewers and listeners. The University of Virginia... Um, School has changed dramatically since when I attended UVA from 2000 to 2004. 
I went there, my brother went there, my dad went to UVA. He was a student at the University of Virginia from 1968 to 1972. My dad initially went to the University of Virginia when it was only men at the University of Virginia. And the men at UVA were walking to classes and coming home from classes with a jacket, ties, button-down shirts, and slacks on. By the time he finished his time at the University of Virginia as a student, ties and jackets, button-down shirts and pants were no more. Women were um, rightfully admitted to the university. And the culture in those four years from 68 to 72 was much more loose and relaxed, <laughs> open-minded. It was the 60s into the 70s and the mindsets that shifted from one decade to another. He would say when he visited us, my brother and I, we were both fraternity guys. We both were followed sports teams closely. I probably spent entirely too much time at the bars. My brother, way more studious than I was. I was more interested in closing the bars down, chasing girls, running a book of business, um, whether it was gambling, et cetera, um, and, and being an entrepreneur. And he uh, you know, was a resident advisor and, 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 and quite studious. When my parents would come and visit us, my dad would say in 2000, 2004, 2005, the university has changed dramatically since when he went there. That he had time, difficult times even recognizing it. Hmm. Now I find myself in an interesting position. <laughs> Almost 2x the time later of when I was a student, I'm saying comments, and, and it's so weird, the older you get, the, the more you find yourself making comments that are reflective or nostalgic of what your parents would say. And when you're a kid, you say, I'm not going to turn, you know, I don't want to evolve into some of the comments or what, you know, some of the stuff, you know, the mindsets my parents would have. But then you reflect and you're like, I want so bad. They were right on so many things. And now I see a university that I don't, I don't necessarily uh, recognize when I went to school at UVA. Mm -hmm. Now the university environment, and this is at Harvard, this is at University of Pennsylvania, this is at UVA, this is everywhere. Now going to school is less about closing the bars down and going to the UVA corner, being in Greek and sorority life, doing a fourth year fifth, hazing and pledging, uh, tradition and ritual. And it's much more today about protest, politics, there's University of Virginia students that speak before city council today, many of them. That would never have happened when I was in school from 2000 to 2004. When I was at UVA, we did not go past orbit, which is now Boylan Heights. We stayed in the bubble that we called UVA. Now there, are no more, there is no more of a bubble. And that's because of technology, that's because of smartphones, that's because of social media. The student is much more informed with what's going on. 
you talk to the barkeeps, you talk to the waiters and waitresses and the business owners, the restaurant owners on, on grounds, on the UVA corner, and they say, we're not posting nearly the revenue numbers we posted 10 years ago, 20 years ago. The students aren't focused on partying and drinking and having a good time like they once were. They're more focused on politics and protesting. They're probably also less confined, <clears throat> as, you, as you said. There's, which is probably good for the rest of Charlottesville downtown, but uh, not necessarily a great thing for the corner. For sure, 100%. And today, yesterday to be in fact, yesterday in fact, there was a significant protest. And University of Virginia students called for the destruction of Israel during a walkout protest. You can find it online. Hundreds of pro-Palestine UVA students held a protest on grounds. It was Wednesday, excuse me. It wasn't yesterday. On Wednesday, demanding that the UVA administration condemn and defund Israel's efforts to defend itself against terrorism. On the other side of the coin were pro-Israeli students. And now there is a clash on grounds between a portion of the student body in regards to a war thousands of miles away from Charlottesville. You have a, a, a portion of the student body clashing to the point where the atmosphere and the mood on grounds is fragile to the point the police is aware to the point these groups are walking out of class, staging walkouts, almost synonymous with a sit-in of yesteryear, and demanding that UVA administration take a stance. This is impacting fundraising dollars, mm -hmm. big-time wealthy donors that are pro-Israel, are pulling dollars from universities, Penn, Harvard, UVA, because they feel the administration is condoning this environment by not making a stance. It puts school presidents like Jim Ryan in a very precarious position. No doubt. And the position Jim Ryan is in is one of free speech, which is synonymous with higher education, and fostering an environment of free speech mm -hmm. and trying to show support of all students of all color, all shapes and sizes, all backgrounds, all religions, all mindsets. And I'm sure there are both Israeli and Palestinian students at UVA. 100% there are. No doubt about it. The University of Virginia brand has become a global brand. Yeah. There's more international students at the University of Virginia than ever before. So Jim Ryan is in this almost unwinnable position. And when you're in an unwinnable position as a politician, and whether you want to admit this or not, viewers and listeners, the president of UVA is a politician. He's got a job that pays him roughly a million dollars a year, a job where he is at the mercy of the board of visitors, a job that can be taken from him quickly. And we saw that with Terry Sullivan. Mm -hmm. You know what John Castine did really well as the president of the University of Virginia? He knew how to play the game. 
and he played the game as president of the University of Virginia for decades. Mm-hmm. You know what Terry Sullivan did not do well? She didn't play the politics game. She, with, she clashed with the chairwoman of the Board of Visitors, Helen Dragas, a powerful woman from Virginia Beach. Terry Sullivan's tenure went up in flames. She had the support of administrators. She had the support of professors, but that was not enough to save her job. So President Ryan is playing the game by staying in the background, staying quiet. And that's aggravating and alienating many students. I want your opinion, viewers and listeners, and I'm going to get to your comments in a matter of moments. When does free speech become inflammatory rhetoric? And when does inflammatory rhetoric become hate speech? And when does hate speech become a crime? And when does a crime become an honor code violation? That pertains to UVA. For city council, freedom of speech became inflammatory rhetoric, became hate speech at two council, three council meetings ago when they banned Zoom public speech because people were hailing Hitler and utilizing Nazi rhetoric, and now there is no Zoom public comment. We had yesterday the R.E. Lee statue burned, melted, melted. It was in the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. The statue now melted. When did the R.E. Lee statue go from freedom of speech, uh, indication of history, a gift from Paul McIntyre, who said this park will be donated to the city on a couple of conditions, it stay a park, and this statue remain in the park, to evolving into a lightning rod for protest, activism, and what I call domestic terrorism. Far-right hate and far-left hate. And yet again, this community finds itself in the national spotlight. Is there something in the, was it tectonic plates? Tectonic plates? Is there something, in, is there some gas emitting under the grounds of Charlottesville? Seeping through the ground and into the air that we're inhaling that continues to position Charlottesville in the national or global news? Is Charlottesville constantly in the national or global news because of this socioeconomic uh, dynamic where it's extremely wealthy and the wealth gap's worsening here. We have so much wealth here and we have so much financial margin here. The middle class is being eroded Mm -hmm. and it's worsening. Homeowners are realizing the value of low interest rates, home appreciation, and the fact that they can fix their overhead when it comes to their housing. And that's giving a significant advantage for those that own houses versus those that don't. No doubt. And Jerome Powell has exasperated that problem by rising rates. We have so many different 
headwinds, if you may, that are impacting a clash of ideologies. I want to ask you, when does freedom of speech become inflammatory rhetoric, and when does inflammatory rhetoric become hate speech, and when does hate speech become a crime, and when does the crime become expulsion, honor code violation, or arrest? Mason Pickett recently in the news. Did you see this? Yeah. Charlottesville sign man. Finally going to jail. Going to jail. He got into a confrontation with a female student from UVA on the UVA corner and her boyfriend. That confrontation led to some bruising on the student, which she documented with photography. Mason Pickett chose to defend himself in court, lost the case, and is now going to jail for, I believe, his 10 days. He's known as Charlottesville Sign Guy. He's attacked West Bellamy. He's attacked UVA professors. One of his most famous signs, leftist professors suck. Seen that so many times. He's utilized... He's utilized signage for freedom of speech. But his freedom of speech choice which is inflammatory rhetoric, which is hate speech, yeah. <clears throat> then... Where's the line? Matured or then passed the line into a crime where he got into a brouhaha with the UVA student over freedom of speech, over his sign. We're seeing this topic in Charlottesville so many different ways. I want your take, and I'll get to the viewers and listeners. My take is that it's, it's, such, a, it's such a hard line to figure out. I mean, the, part of the problem is that we do have a right to say what we want to say. The government can't stop us, and I think that's a good thing. But... That doesn't mean that we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't have um, uh, there shouldn't be consequences for for saying horrible hateful things. Um, I think that's a discussion for our entire country. Um, it's a discussion to figure out where we stand on things like this. Where we stand on people calling into uh, city council meetings and using hateful language. Uh, where we stand on things like... Where do we stand with the houseless we, population panhandling aggressively in downtown Charlottesville and them being protected by freedom of speech? Yeah. We have... What a lot of folks have said, including me, a budding problem with aggressive panhandling, and Chief Conscious has come on this program and said, there's nothing we can do about this. It's protected form of speech, panhandling. Mayor Snook said on the dais, there's only so much we can do when it comes to these folks giving abhorrent props to Hitler because it's a form of freedom of speech. 
Yeah. President Jim Ryan has indicated we have to protect freedom of speech on grounds. Charlottesville police and Almaro County police have indicated Mason Pickett has a right to utilize signs to spew hateful rhetoric because it's a form of freedom of speech. Yeah. He got arrested because he got physical. Yeah. Because he's not, he's protected by the, he's protected from the government stopping him from talking. He's not protected from someone taking offense at what he says and uh, doing something about it. I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand. Freedom of speech is not about being able to say whatever you want. It's about the government not being able to stop you. Deep Throat, Deep Throat, one of our commenters says this. Why is the left on, on campus, he says campus, why is the left on campus going so berserk about this? It is the way that left supporters of Palestine cause... I don't understand the sense. He says, uh, the left on campus, they supported Palestine cause as a generic liberation movement for a stateless people. Then Hamas shows up and makes the cause look like a genocidal movement. The supporters can't handle this cognitive dissonance, so they lash out as a psychological defense mechanism. As for the speech issue, I think campuses should allow the pro-Palestine, even pro-Hamas speech. Just then, the same universities have to offer the same accommodation to extreme views or, heck, even moderate views from, our, from other quarters. Can you imagine UVA being as gentle if a bunch of British students started protests against illegal cross-channel migration? Deep Throat also says, for a public school, the line is call for imminent lawless action. Private schools can do it differently. The important thing is that whatever the standard, it be applied even-handedly, not according some intersectional totem pole ranking of the speaker. Ginny Hu has this on Twitter. Sean, welcome to the program. Dylan's Rule, welcome to the program. Mr. DL, welcome to the program. Ginny Hu says, many homeschoolers still learn to write and read cursive, guys. She emphasizes the value of homeschooling. She also says, it was the parking lot beside the hospital bombed, and we know that that was a Hamas rocket. Also, if you don't want certain buildings attacked, don't use them as your own launching site for missiles. Once you do that, it is now a military position. <clears throat> While that is true, I, we, still, I, we still know that just because somebody uses a hospital and possibly uses it for launching, launching missile attacks... There are still innocent people in there. John Blair has this comment. While I agree with some of this regarding the changing UVA Charlottesville environment, I will respectfully push back a bit. Blacksburg and Harrisonburg don't see nearly the student activism at town city council meetings and in town city affairs that Charlottesville does. Tech has a full football stadium and the bars are packed on Saturday nights. While little, what little activism they see is extremely limited and small protests on campus, that's the same as JMU. Why does it happen at UVA? 
He's making the point, why is it happening at UVA and not at Virginia Tech and JMU when they're separated by a mere couple of hours and a couple of hundred miles? It's a good question. Um, why does, does it happen at does UVA? Does it have to do with the type of people that get accepted to UVA? Does it have okay, to- unpa- I think it's that. Unpack that. I mean, I'm not really sure how to unpack it. I don't know much about UVA or the people that attend it. I know that uh, often... I would say, and I can say this with confidence, the demand to get into UVA, the academic standards to get into UVA are more stringent than the academic standards to get into Virginia Tech and JMU across the board. There are some exceptions. For example, Virginia Tech is a veterinary school. The other schools do not. Virginia Tech also very noteworthy engineering curriculum and engineering uh, educational tracks. Does that say something about the type of people that? Uh, I mean, does that say something about what high functioning, uh, whatever you want to call the the types of students that make it to UVA? Uh, or does that say something about the culture at UVA that breeds this kind of behavior? That fosters, encourages, I feel like creates that, a foundation for protism and activism. I feel like that could be part of it, but this seems kind of extreme. I mean, I, I, I don't see. I, I'm, I'm sure it is possible. I, but it seems hard to to uh, to take in that you could go from just like being a normal kid to someone who's actively supporting I wouldn't say normal kid is the right term to use <laughs> for UVA students you could say uh, someone that is not as engaged politically or yeah. from an activism standpoint or from a protest standpoint that works is is okay the fact of the matter though is that I I wonder if there's a correlation too between the uh, the communities surrounding the schools. I don't know, are, are the Blacksburg communities and JMU communities uh, less activist, uh, less uh, left-leaning as well? Because we all know that Charlottesville is fairly left-leaning. And uh, Is Charlottesville left-leaning because UVA is left-leaning? Is Charlottesville left-leaning because higher it, education breeds liberalism? Or is it the other way around? Or Explain are, that. Or are the, or do the students, uh, I don't know, somehow uh, osmos some of the, uh, some of the uh, the ideological underpinnings of the the Charlottesville community. If, I mean, if, obviously we have a a large uh, portion of. I mean, all you have to do is walk down the street, and you're bound to see uh, ACAB. Uh, scrawled somewhere on. I mean, it's on the. It's on the. It's on the mailbox across from our studio. It's a mailbox. There's on. What's ACAB? Let the viewers and listeners know. Uh, it means all cops are bastards. There is a U.S. Post Office drop box, a blue box, on Market Street across the street from our studio, and it's the acronym is ACAB. Yeah. It's been graffitied on a U.S. post office drop box. Tampering with the mail and graffitiing on this is a felony. That graffiti has been on this mailbox for, I would say, years. Yeah, definitely years. There's also, I think, on and the, it's on the s- pole. 50 over bu- steps from the police station. Yeah. 
I see it on the pole over over at the um, Court Square Park. Uh, I see it all over the place. I, it's I I want to go around. I want to find a I want to find a pen of the same uh, paint color or whatever and uh, add an A B at the beginning because everybody loves Genesis. Is the city you use osmosis? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what else to call it. Is the city uh, is is osmosis from UVA? Is the what's the verb of uh, osmosizing? Osmosing? I don't. I'm, is the city osmosing UVA, or is UVA osmosing the city? Yeah. I mean, I our students. Os- good. You would imagine the students are osmosing the professors because uh, they're impressionable and they're young. Oh, they're. You're saying they're influenced. They're drawing from impacted. Uh, yeah, definitely. Right. Are so is it administration or the professors or the city that's breeding this kind of activism and protesting climate? John's made very good points. This is very different than. Harrisonburg and Blacksburg. Universities separated by a couple of hours and a couple hundred miles. Yeah. Why here? Is it a byproduct of educational sophistication? Is it a byproduct of one and two percent wealth that accompanies the university? Is it a byproduct of money? Is it a byproduct of money? Is it a byproduct of guilt? Is it a byproduct of the the administration, the professorship? Hmm. Is it a byproduct of socioeconomic clashes, wealth gap, very rich, very poor in this community? Is it a byproduct of limited housing inventory for people to purchase? Is it a byproduct of limited blue-collar jobs in this community? You've had this dynamic rear itself in the last month in the last month alone, with Zoom being banned by council because freedom of speech went into hate speech. You saw this in the last month with panhandling and the houseless with freedom of speech protecting this behavior. You saw this on grounds this week with protesters supporting Palestine and supporting Israel and Hamas clashing on grounds Mm -hmm. to the point where the president's office is doing nothing. You saw this this month with big money donors saying they're going to pull their donations. You saw it this month with the planning commissioner saying he's going to, he purchased this property in an LLC because he's fearful as a Jewish man in a time of Nazi rhetoric and Nazi impact in Charlottesville. You saw this with the Ari Lee statue being melted yesterday and the history behind that statue in Charlottesville. You saw this with the protest that happened when the homeless encampment was disbanded, a protest of freedom of speech that started at the homeless camp, then went up and down the downtown mall. Protesters in support of the homeless camp. I'm trying and what we're conversating about is why it's prevalent 
at this clip and this frequency in Charlottesville when Charlottesville is not even 50,000 people. Yeah. It's not even 50,000 people. We saw that with the mayor, former mayor, Mayor Walker. We've seen this former counselor, Bellamy, West Bellamy. We've seen this with, I could continue and continue and continue. Mm-hmm. And I, the thesis or the theme, something for your parties this weekend, your cocktail parties, your Halloween trick-or-treating, conversations you can have with at birthday parties. Where is it, how is it manifested? Where is it coming from? Is it a byproduct of the university or is the university responding to citizens? Is it the administration? I don't think it's the administration. I don't think so I don't think it's Sean Castine. I don't think it was Terry Sullivan. I don't think it's Jim Ryan. Is it the professors? Is it the students? Is it the professors responding to the students who are top of their class and often from 1% and 2% families financially? Is it the citizens exasperated, frustrated, fed up because they can no longer live in a community they grew up in? Is it the fact that Charlottesville is a melting pot for people from all over the world that are moving here because they went to UVA and they want to get nostalgic, wax nostalgic of their four years in college and come back to Charlottesville and say, I want to recreate that four-year period here. Now I can remote, work remotely. It's no secret. You go to Charlottesville now, Morrow County, and you have folks from all over the world, all over the country living here now. Is it because we have a melting pot of different cultures causing a clash? Is it vapor oozing from the ground? Which superhero, the vapor, impacted them? Which superhero? Wasn't there a vapor that impacted a superhero? Uh, I'd need more than that. Sorry. (laughs) You're the superhero expert. I know. Is it a bunch of spider bites from uh, (coughs) um, a, a spider that got manipulated in a lab, turning people into, into this. That would be a reference to. You don't think that's a good reference. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm still trying to think of who might have been uh, become a superhero because of underground vapors. There's no underground vapor with superheroes? I'm sure there is. I There's mean, they've come be. up I, with... I, I'm now, granted, I see them in... I thought you would know right away. I mean, I just, I'd need more than that to go on. Uh, Underground vapor and superhero. Vapor and Marvel? Is there an actual character named Vapor? I think so. That's not who I was thinking of. You're probably right. It doesn't matter. We don't need to go down this track. They don't tune into us to hear about vapor and superheroes. (laughs) Anyway, I want you guys to digest all this. There is a character called Vapor. I just, it's, it's, I, I just, you know, I've been thinking it, it, it's constant. It's like the epicenter of it. It's like the epicenter of it. We're the epicenter of it. And it's, I don't think it's just a byproduct of the, us living here. So it's impacting us at greater scales. The school board race with Dr. Bryce and, and Allison Spillman 
is in the effing national news. We have national news outlets covering an Almaro County school board race. <coughs> They're highlighting the levels of donation and contributions. They're highlighting, obviously, Justice Scalia's daughter. <coughs> They're um, highlighting the political differences, the polar opposites. There's also, there's also a, a fair amount of hate, I would say, in uh, going on in that race as well. I mean, you've got people defacing signs and uh, building websites to, you know, to uh, defame, defame a person. Um, it's not so, not too dissimilar from uh, from some of the rhetoric going on in the on the uh, on the grounds. You got Richmond Times Dispatch columnist, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist, Mr. Williams, writing columns about a school board race, not even where his paper is primarily circulated. Yeah. Ginny Hu says, even in the late 1990s, you would be ridiculed in class at UVA if you had a conservative argument. It wasn't like that in the master's program at JMU. Hmm. It was not like that at the doctoral program at William & Mary. But it was even worse. Oh, excuse me. She says the doctoral program at Weeman Mary was even worse than the undergraduate experience for her at UVA. Huh. Oh, Deep Throat says the original Flash got his powers from water vapor. Uh, I think there were chemicals involved. There may have been chemical vapors. Um, and there was definitely a lightning strike. You guys, like you normally do, Deep Throat, Judah Wickhauer, the viewers and listeners, know more about this than I do. I am just, I'm, I'm good at very few things in life. Very few I did think about things. Flash, but uh, it's not so specific that uh, I felt like it fit perfectly. Anyways. Deep Throat makes a very good point here. He says, can you even draw a distinction between UVA and the city? So many of city leadership, officials and unofficial, are, are byproducts of the University of Virginia. It's a no damn doubt. good point. Yeah. It's an excellent point, Deep Throat. Mm-hmm. He also says, Virginia Tech and JMU students, also from not nearly as wealthy families at UVA, Virginia Tech kids and JMU kids need to focus on getting preparation to get jobs to pay back debt. UVA students are glided youth who can flush their four years down the toilet with performative activism without consequence become, because they come from wealth. Bill McChesney says, Charlottesville has become a reference in the scripts of television dramas. And he calls it the Yankee kryptonite infiltrating Charlottesville. Carol Thorpe says, Jerry, let's not leave out the F word, faculty. We could probably count the number of the F word, faculty, Carol Thorpe. Carol, you're an excellent writer. She says, let's not leave out the F word, faculty. We could probably count the number of conservative professors at UVA in one hand and have fingers left over. They not only affect the curriculum and teach the students, but they own many of the most expensive homes in the community. They donate to the Democratic candidates and vote Democratic in droves. Carly Wagner is watching the program. She shared a story, and I often don't... um, uh, 
Rob Schilling is a broadcaster and a commentator. Rob Schilling published something about the school board seat that's going to be filled. The one that Katrina Coulson is vacating. Yeah. Katrina Coulson's going to be a delegate and she's vacating her school board seat. This seat evidently, and I've highlighted this on previous shows, I said that this seat was going to be filled by someone who's campaigned with Allison Spillman and Miss Berlin, the appointed Whitehall uh, representative who filled in for David Oberg, who resigned. Mm-hmm. The front runner for this seat, which I've highlighted on this program, is the chairwoman for the Admiral County Democratic Party. You hear what I said? Yeah. And Mr. Schilling did a thorough analysis of what he thinks is happening, where Ms. Coulson vacated her seat, chose to step away from a seat at an opportune time. This is Schilling's analysis and Schilling's thoughts. Yeah. Where there, <clears throat> the seat would be filled almost guaranteed by someone that matches the board's ideology right. to continue the board's mission. Yeah. Having a chairwoman of the Albemarle County Democratic Party be the replacement for Katrina Coulson, a person that was instrumental in campaigns Spillman and Berlin, seems to be a conflict of interest. Furthering the points of concern is the fact that the head of the Albemarle Democratic Party has been in this community for only a couple of years. Hmm. Those are the type of things that should concern many of us that are watching this program. It's nepotistic. It's backroom. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's political, unsurprisingly. It's a fine line. Yeah, no doubt. But still, uh, it's not like nepotistic. Is, the practice among those with power or influence has to do with favoring relatives. relatives, friends, or associates by giving them gigs or jobs. But would this be would this fall into that definition, or is this more that they want someone as powerful as her? Can it be all of the above? If she doesn't need the job, then it's less about nepotism. Miss Berlin is running for the Whitehall District. She was appointed to the school board to replace David Oberg, who resigned midterm. Miss Berlin won the replacement, was picked as the replacement for David Oberg in the Whitehall District on the school board. She is now running for Mm re-election. She got help with her campaign, her re-election campaign, by someone who is a favorite to win, to fill Katrina Coulson's seat. The favorite to fill Katrina Coulson's seat is the head of the Democrats in Almoral. Miss Berlin has a vote now to replace Katrina Coulson and has a chance to get a four-year term in front of her and got help fundraising and campaigning by the person she's going to help pick. I would say it's more inbred than nepotistic, but... Aren't they not one and the same? Not really. I will agree to disagree on that one, my friend. One last comment. We'll close on a Friday afternoon, and you get some final thoughts anywhere you want to go. 
I want to read uh, John's comment here. Jerry, I think you and Judah nail it, nailed it. A lot of the kids at UVA in this day and age come from the top 5% families. A very wise, now retired department director in Almore County once remarked to me, Charlottesville and UVA are full of rich people who have a lot of friends in large urban areas. They simply want to imitate what their friends are doing. Anywhere you want to go on closing thoughts? Hmm. Will um, McChesney says inbreeding sounds right. Carly Wagner, uh, Carly Wagner is up there with one of our uh, top commenters. I mean that. I sincerely mean that, Carly. Um, she says the Admiral County Democratic Party that donated to three of the current board members' campaigns. Now those board members get to pick the lady that funded their election. I, I, I want to reiterate the comment. The Amor County Democratic Party that donated to three of the current board members' campaigns. Now those board members picked the lady that funded their election. I will, that's Carly's comment. I will say, help funded by forming political strategy to get those donations. Carol Thorpe, I'll get Carol Thorpe's a, a, a strong commenter. She says, the school board is supposed to be apolitical, and they're considering appointing the head of one political party, the same person who donated funds and supported the campaigns of many others currently serving. For a seat on the board, there's absolutely nothing borderline about that for me, gentlemen. She says, there's nothing borderline about that for me, gentlemen. Stacey Baker Patty, welcome to the show. Maria Marshall Barnes, welcome to the show. Janice Boyce Trevelyan says, Charlottesville's bad at free speech if your ideas don't fit the narrative. Yeah. Lisa Costello, the Queen of Cherry Avenue. Thank you. Thank you for watching the program. Same with you, Stephanie Rhodes. Show is yours, Judah Wickhauer. Um, I'm all for free speech, but I think um, I'm I'm worried that there are that there are people that uh, that zoom straight past free speech into hate territory. And the, the amazing and terrifying and sad thing is that as much as we, as we vilify the, uh, the far-right idiots who uh, overtook our, our town for a, for a brief moment, and I'm sure there are some of them still living here, uh, there's just as much hate from the far left. Um, and I think this is proof of it. And we should all um, we should all endeavor to um, to foster discussion um, so that we can better understand each other. And I think it's very hard to hate and wish death upon someone that you can have a uh, a civil discussion with Deep Throat on Twitter is responding to John Blair on LinkedIn and Deep Throat on Twitter says to John Blair on LinkedIn John is so right I call it bumpkin progressivism <laughs> he says if you, if you want to run with the Cali or a New York City progressives move there I live there and I don't anymore I like that it's the Friday edition of the I Love Seville show. The conversations are real. 
They are raw. They are right now. They're honest. They may make you uncomfortable, but it's conversations that need to be had. Thank you kindly for joining us on the program. Holly Foster, I don't know about Judah Wickower, but I'm going to try to make my tub of red vines last a little while. There's evidently, um, I don't know, let me, there's guess, 53 servings per pack the here. number, 53, 53 servings? Here, Judah, I'm, I'm going to throw these to you. These, uh, you can do it. Red vines. Thank you, Holly. Um, uh, I'm going to start a TikTok channel. It's going to be all about me trying to sneak these into uh, movie theaters across the United States. That's quality content, Judah. It's quality content. I think it'll make me a millionaire. I think it'll make you a TikTok celebrity. <laughs> uh, for the TikTok celebrity, Judah Wickower, I am the uh, very, very uh, lowly host of the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us so long, everybody. There we go.